Welcome to the Whole Equestrian Podcast. We're here bridging the gap between riding and wellness. Discussing topics related to mindset, fitness, nutrition, and community. Our mission is to promote health and happiness through our love of horses. I'm Emily Hamill, an international five-star level eventer, dedicated practitioner of yoga, Pilates, and meditation, personal development enthusiast, and plant-strong athlete. And I am recording this next to my dear friend, Tyler, in... Chester County, Pennsylvania. And I am Tyler Held. I am a semi-retired professional five-star groom and sport and performance psychology doctoral student slash practitioner, a lifelong learner in the areas of mindset, positive thinking, and motivation. I am a gym owner and a blue belt in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, and it is almost weird to be sitting next to Emily after all this time. Yeah, we got so good at doing it from afar. Now it's we had to kind of figure out how to do it back in person. I, so. I, I use a different software and recording thing, so I was like, oh, how do we fit this? How does this thing work again? But I think we're all set up and good to go to have our, uh, you know, our reactions are going to be a little bit sharper. We can see each other. <laughs> we we can, can feed off of each other. Talk it's good. to each other. And we're actually going to do like a, a recap episode today of, um, you know, Burley and the England experience. So it's going to be more of a conversation than our usual podcast. So I feel like it's perfect that we're in person for this because we get to interact. Love it. Well, we'd like to welcome you or welcome you back to the whole Equestrian Podcast. As we said in our intro, our mission is to promote health and happiness through our love of horses, and we do this by having conversations about being more well-rounded individuals via our pillars, mindset, fitness, nutrition, and community. We release one main episode a month, but have also had some exciting guests on the show, so make sure to check those out. And like I said, we're already going to, you know, sort of have this podcast be a little bit looser format. Um, no sponsors for this episode, but wanted to do a quick shout out for the sponsor of our last episode, um, Kayla of Hand Painted Ponies. If you didn't get your mugs yet, Christmas is right around the corner. Like, it's crazy how, how fast time flies. So make sure you go check her out on Facebook or Instagram um, and get your personalized horse gifts definitely i i def i need to uh check that out and she's really talented so i'd love to have some stuff done good old barry, barry. good old barry he deserves to be on a wine I glass mean, i feel like I he mean, needs a wine glass and like you can write like on around the rim like all the five stars that oh, he's done perfect. so far or something yeah you know, like really get creative with it okay i'm sure kayla could hook me up she takes requests yeah so. perfect all right. Well, I guess goals. Yeah. We move into do, that. We're gonna do a quick sort of abridged version of all of our usual segments here. Um, I mean, obviously, what we're how many five stars down now? I've done four. Yeah. So, um, and I have achieved my goals this year of doing badminton and burley. So I'm feeling pretty good. And um, yeah, I've checked off a lot of goals this year. And my word of the year, which is value, has been like the perfect choice for me because I've had a lot of time to think about what I value and um, appreciate the people that I value um, while I've been away and the people that have helped me get to where I am and all of that. So it's been pretty epic this year so far. What about you? 
you know, my um, my goal theme is like the 22 themed goals that I've set. Um, and I didn't even really like set basic goals of stuff that like I just knew was going to happen this year. But one of the things that I'm like looking straight in the face right now is finishing my doctorate. Mm-hmm. I think I have 13 weeks until graduation. And That's crazy. It's crazy. It's exciting. It's like, blah, like I have a lot to do. It's like all the emotions coming together at once. Um, sort of that I know that there's like a lot of stuff in front of me but I know that I'm gonna get it done and so I'm trying to keep my stress levels down um I did get sort of blindsided with uh, another requirement for graduation that like they just popped up like three weeks ago they were like by the way you're also gonna write a 6,000 word uh journal article and submit it to a sports psychology journal so you can expand the literature and stuff like that um, and in one, in one way, it's exciting, right? Yeah, that I, is exciting. I feel like working with equestrian athletes is such a unique thing of managing fears in equestrian athletes is such a difficult task because that fear is oftentimes based in reality. Someone's fallen. They've been ambulanced out. They have a friend that has a traumatic brain injury. Like, it's like, hey, this is a real fear. How do I overcome this? And, you know, a lot different than I'm throwing a three-pointer and I get nervous because people are watching me. Like, there's still that sort of phenomenon that goes on, but a lot of the literature that's out there doesn't really address the problems that I've been working on Mm -hmm. in my mentorship. So it's a huge opportunity to sort of bring this information into sports psychology. Um, A lot of the sports psychologists in the equestrian industry are kind of just like positive affirmations and like you would just think great and everything's going to be great. And I don't like that hasn't been what I've seen has been effective in my practice. It's more getting down to the core of problems and stuff like that Um, and just a different framework that I'm using. And it's all tied into research, but when you get down and you sit with your computer and you're having to write in a scholarly tone and tie it into professional work, you know, like that stuff just makes me want to hit my head against the wall sometimes. (laughs) Like, I'm like, wow, like the docking crocs, like I'm going to come in crazy bright colored shoes and I'm going to help you work through your sports problems. Um, So, you know, inside of me, I'm like, why do I have to do this? But then I realized like, hey, you're getting a doctorate. Like the knowledge is there. It's just annoying, right? Pulling it out and 6,000 words, that's a lot. It is a lot. It's like I'm trying to hit like 500 each week right now to sort of stay on pace while studying for my CMPC test and like putting all the pieces together. I have to do a defense of my theoretical orientation of performance excellence. Um, So it's, it's a lot. It's doable. It's a lot. It's just like... Part of me is like, ah, academia. And I'm like, why have I spent, like, years, like, going after more and more education when, yeah. like, this is, like, my feeling? Because like, you're a lifelong learner. That's why. But you go in and, yeah. like, you read research, right? And, like, the first six paragraphs say, like, the general thing. And, like, you have to, like, say what you want to say before you say it and then say it again. And just, like, the structure right. frustrates me to no end. I'm sure your sister would and I would be able to talk I, about I'm that. I'm sure. <laughs> yeah. Well, um, just, you know, at the end of it, 
I will get to call you Dr. Held, so. Yeah. I, I, you know, I like the ring of Dr. I think I'm going to go by Dr. Tyler. Dr. I do like, like that Dr. better. Tyler. Dr. Tyler. It just, like, makes you a little bit more accessible. You yeah, know? yeah. Um, and then, yeah, just I feel like at the end of it, like, I have grown so much as a person so that, you know, my word of the year is growth. And looking back even at some of the clients that I took on um, in January versus the clients that I take on now, I mean, I had a sporadic amount of hours of consulting, just helping a few people here and there. And like this year, I've really dove into it. Um, I have over 200 hours of consulting right now. I got to get a few more in person to meet my requirements. But, Mm -hmm. you know, they talk about putting in the hours to become an expert and like those 200 hours of consulting has definitely shaped my practice. It shaped how I deal with different people. It's a different process of how I get down to the bottom of things. Like all all of that has, has proven to be really helpful. So cool. I'm excited for you. Yeah. Well, you know what time it is? I do. Okay. It is time for Books, books, books! Nailed it. Wow, so much easier. It is. Although we we have butchered it next to each other before, so like we have. we're not gonna not gonna take anything for granted um. in this moment. <laughs> okay, so the book that I just finished is Homegoing by Yagiasi. And I'm sorry, can you say that name again? Yagiasi. <laughs> And she's a Ghanaian-American author, so she's from Ghana. Okay. Well, her family is. Anyways, but it was a very interesting book. So it took, um, like, each chapter was uh, following a different descendant of this uh, kind of key character. So in the first chapter, it's talking about... Uh, Mame, who is an Asante woman who's like, you know, a tribe in Africa. And then basically it like follows her descendants and like how they end up and how things like work out, you know, and like some of the descendants come to America via slave trade and like then it follows their story. And it's just really interesting to see, you know, the, the lives of all these different people and how like with each... Uh, generation it gets a little better in ways but also not and then um, basically I thought the way that the book wrapped up was really good I'm not going to give it away but it was I'd never read a book like that where each chapter was like a different person but all related so I thought it was a cool format definitely worth a read I'll have to check that out that does sound very interesting what about you um so I my recommendation is I don't want to like even talk too much about this book because it's one of those like psychological sort of thriller books Mm -hmm. and uh, definitely something that I probably didn't have the time to read as much as I did in the day that I read it but I was just so hooked in the book that like you know hooked on the book I like that hooked on the book (laughs) 24 hour period like book is gone like it it just I just had to get to the end I couldn't wait um so it's called I'm thinking of ending things and Emily and I decided that maybe the author's name is Ian Reed um Ian spelled really funny could be a completely different name not too sure but uh I'm thinking of ending things it was a 
movie on Netflix too. So here's my buyer beware. And I don't know if maybe I just don't have good taste in movies because it's come up on a few like must watch on Netflix list. The movie was absolutely horrendous. Like the beginning's good, but they just absolutely butchered the ending and it just left you being like, what even happened? What was the point? Like, I don't need, like, if you didn't read the book, like, I yeah, think I was just gonna be, say like, more confused. Oh, okay. I don't. It's just like a complete diversion from what happens at the end of the book, mm. and the end of the book is just such like a ball drop. Like it's so exciting. It's so it's like oh my god, I can't believe this happened the whole time. Like you have to read the book, get to the end, enjoy it, never touch the movie, or <sighs> or just watch or the just movie. watch the movie and call me and tell me what you thought because maybe I'll do that. Yeah, I'll watch the movie. Watch the movie. Let me know what you think. I have um, no prior knowledge except that you don't like it. My I watched, I read the book and I, I told my boyfriend, I was like, this is like a psychological thriller. You like thrillers. I don't really like thrillers or scary movies usually, but because I read the book, like I know the ending, I feel like it's going to be exciting and like whatever. Yeah. Well, we, I watched the movie with him and he was like horrible it was horrible okay. like so so maybe so we have one case yeah. study in the fact that the movie is bad despite reading the book not reading the book but the book was really good okay so, so maybe just the book no movie yeah 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 okay. i have it upstairs okay it was one of uh, the barnes and noble was having a sale oh and I cashed in my credit card rewards for Barnes & Noble Perfect. gift cards. So Love I was it. like, and I literally told myself, uh, I'm renting a room right now out of a house. And I was like, I'm not going to buy more books. Like, I'm just <laughs> going to use the library. And then Barnes & Noble's having a sale. And I was like, bet. <laughs> and I bought like four books, but it's fine. <laughs> it's good. You know, you could be spending your money on worse things. Yeah, you know. So. <laughs> Sucks. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> any anything I you know I used to say like when I first started eating healthy like I would get really really frustrated with how much like money it costs to buy things like salmon and like arugula yeah. and like how ridiculous is it that like a cup of raspberries is like four dollars it's crazy like if you want organic five dollars like yeah and I, I eat like the one container it's one cup I eat yeah. that in one sitting like I'm For not sure. splitting my pack of raspberries and I just like had this moment I'm like I don't drink alcohol, like, I don't do drugs, like, people are out there, like, finding ways, like, on minimum wage salary to still pay for their alcoholism, to still pay for their drugs. I'm like, if they can do it, I can buy salmon. Like, I can find a way to buy that. salmon, because there are crackouts, crackheads out there finding ways to get their crack fix. Like, basically, that's my outlook yeah. on healthy I, eating. I think that's great. You're, and you're probably saving money in other ways because of your healthy eating. Yeah, no, that's, so. that's the other thing that you have to remember, is, like, the prescription medication industry is like probably one of the biggest sources of money leaving people's pockets in this country and if you do a little bit to take care of yourself and your health it's like okay well now I'm putting the money up front instead of um up back and I do a lot of like precautionary medical exploration. Yeah. We talked about it a little bit, I think, last like podcast. Proactive like, kind of, Blood yeah. tests, like, mm -hmm. making sure your levels are good, and, like, not just with a PCP, but I go to a functional medicine doctor, and he takes my blood, and, like, I found out that I had a lot of iron in my blood, so I started taking a supplement to take that out, and it's, like, it seems like a lot, 
but I'd rather do that than have to deal with the consequences of not yeah. knowing and then having medical problems and issues because of it. So the lesson here is don't be afraid to spend money on good food. Yeah, I don't how <laughs> We were talking we about books. Yeah, we're, we're like, still in the books, books, books section. Like, but uh, wait a minute. But you know what? We, it ties into the whole equestrian, it's, all of our themes. And it's the beauty of the um, non... Not that we script any of our episodes, but usually Emily and I have like straight like bullet points of like... Right. We have uh, some way to tie everything together. Like we make it make sense to you guys. And like, this is just Emily and I just, just freestyle we're just staring at each yeah. other right now. We're just and we haven't seen each other in months. So I think there's a lot of energy being exchanged. Yeah, yeah. So with that being said, um, why don't we jump into talking about England? And obviously I know we've had like conversations while you were over there and sort of the experience, but like now that it's done, now that you're back on U.S. soil, you've taken a breath, probably not because you're like unpacking and like you probably shoved a bunch of stuff in your horse trailer that you're taking out and trying to and let's rewind to the last time that we recorded and you basically yeah in in person like you couldn't even walk right Right. it's like I hobbled to the podcast recording barely was able to move home from Aiken because she was broken and then she just was like whatever gotta go overseas so are you like unpacking from Aiken right now yeah well so I'm unpacking so much stuff (laughs) like it's just crazy um yeah, because before I left for Aiken, I literally packed up my whole house. So my whole house, you know, all of, like, everything that's in the house, all my books, all my kitchen stuff, all of, like, my wall art, like, everything was literally packed up and put into my basement. So now that I'm home, I'm, like, unpacking that. And then also, you know, as far as, like, from Aiken, I had a bunch of stuff in my trailer that was, like... Well, I'm not going to bring this to England, so it's just going to live here. So now I'm like unpacking that. And then I have all of my stuff that I brought with me to England that I'm now unpacking. And that stuff is actually pretty much all unpacked because that's stuff that I use on a daily basis. But um, to say that I feel a little uh, out of place at the moment <laughs> is an understatement. So, But we'll get there. I'm trying to just focus on that like it will all get done There's no actual real rush to get my whole life unpacked as long as I have, like, what I need um, for a while. So, there you go. It's kind of like me writing my essays, like, 500 (laughs) words at a time. It's like maybe one section at a time. Yep. We'll put the kitchen together because we need the kitchen. And, like, you know, we'll hang the the, um, paintings back up when we get around to it. (laughs) Right. Yeah, that's a later problem. And also, I'm kind of, like... Well, my house is empty. I should paint everything. You know what I mean? So then I'm like, oh, I should paint the walls. But then I'm like, do I really need to add that to my plate right now? Probably not. But um, maybe Dina Hamill will come and help me paint some walls. She's the real MVP of For sure. everything, of really, everything, to be honest yeah. with you. She's like the greatest. Shout out, mom. Um, so, yeah, that is my current state. But uh, I had a great time, and... I guess that's really an understatement. I had basically the summer of my life. (laughs) It was was really cool to be in England and, like, be surrounded by such amazing riders and just, like, really be immersed in the culture. And, um, you know, 
it is a different culture. It doesn't really seem like it, you know, because we all speak the same language and we're relatively similar, you know, kind of Western culture. But um, there were a lot of differences. Uh, that was it was kind of fun because I got more of an insight into those things because I stayed for a long period of time. I feel like when you visit somewhere, you know, like you're like, oh, this is so cute and like how they do things. But then when you're living in it, it just like. I really felt comfortable in the surrounding and, you know, I made a lot of good friends. Um, I also love the like British pubs everywhere. They're so cozy and they just feel like really homey. And, um, that was a fun thing. Um, and just like the countryside's beautiful. Barry was happy there. Uh, yeah, I don't know. What was the best thing that you ate while you were over there? Oh, that's a great question. Uh, I don't know if I can pinpoint like one meal, but I think what was so cool is there was always a vegan option, like anywhere you went. Even if you went to a gas station to get like, you know, if you just had to pick up something quick, they had fresh food, um, always like a vegan option, maybe not more than one, but they would at least have like one. Yeah. And then um, lots of vegetarian options. Like, I felt like it was easy to do that. Um, did you eat meat at all over there? Well, I actually, I did eat fish and chips. Okay. Like, I, two I, times, because I was, like, when in Rome. Yep. Um, so that was good. Maybe that was one of the good things, because, like, <laughs> I don't really eat fish um, often. Uh, unless there's a special occasion that calls for it. Like fish and, and chips. Like that's, fish and that chips, that's same. an occasion. Um, so that was good. Uh, oh, there was this really good Thai place by my house. Mm. That was probably my favorite. Uh, and I could walk to everything, which was cool. Uh, I've never lived in a city before. You know, I've lived like in the country or the suburbs or something. But to be able to literally walk to anything... Um, not including Barry or including Barry? Not including Barry. So I kind of had the best of both worlds. Like I had city life and then I like went to see Barry in the country every day. Um, so that was cool. I feel like this is more like an Irish thing than um, English, but like did you ever get stopped by like sheep? Like were there sheep in the road on your way to go anywhere? There were uh, cows. There was a cow crossing. Okay. Like sometimes depending on what time. I went to the barn, they would be like letting the cows from one side of the road to the other. So that happened a couple times. Also, they were like hound walking a few mornings. Okay. So I think I posted something, a reel on Instagram. But yeah, there were, I don't know how many, like probably close to 100 hounds. That might be an exaggeration, but it was a lot. Like there was a lot of hounds just like in the street. And I had to stop and wait for them to like turn a corner and... It's very country, country living. You know, I'm not, like, really a very girly girl, as you know. Mm -hmm. um, but, like, the one romantic vision that I have in my head yeah. is, like, I'm just taking a trip to Ireland with someone that I love and, like, their sheep just stop us in the road and like that's the moment he asked me to marry him like when we're just stuck in the road and it's like we don't care we don't have anywhere to be we're in this beautiful Irish countryside wow. together and like that's the moment okay I didn't know that about you but I will take note and mention it to future suitors so 
I mean, I can see the romance in that. Yeah. yeah. But I mean, like, a lot would have to happen for that to actually, like, how do you plan for sheep to I think stop you can't. You? So whoever <laughs> is going to ask you to marry them, like, needs to carry the ring around at all times. We're just going to just gonna sure have to make sure we go to Ireland for a long enough time. Yeah. That, like, and the sheep are going to happen. Yeah. So. But also, you know, it's like you can't really plan for that so much. But... No. Okay, well, I learned something new about you today. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> it was, Tommy was actually asking me the other day if I had, like, a dream proposal story in my head. Like, that's it. I that's it? I held on to it. I didn't tell him, but okay. maybe I'll let him in on the secret. Well, I mean, if he listens to this episode. <laughs> I don't think he listens to our podcast. Oh, well, then maybe that's not the... Maybe he's not the one. <laughs> kidding uh anywho okay so, so back to your experience okay in England. um much so we covered food mm-hmm. you were doing yoga and pilates there was that any different than like american yoga and pilates uh a little bit um so i started i found a really cool yoga studio there and i did I did some different types of yoga that I hadn't done here, so obviously there was kind of a different flow to it, and the um, cueing was different, Uh, but hearing it in a British accent is just... Relaxing? Really relaxing, yeah. Yeah. Like, Um, so I I, I can actually really do a good British accent, but I'm not going to embarrass myself on the podcast. (laughs) So I did forest yoga, which is like you start with the meditation and then there's breath work and then, you know, you do flow stuff, but it's slightly different than like, um, you know, your typical vinyasa. And so that was fun. And then I also did Iyenga yoga, which is um, like you hold poses for a while, but it's not yin, it's more act, it's much more active, but like you hold your poses and then you really work on body alignment and um, like using your body correctly in each pose. So I found that really helpful. So that was, you know, different. And then Pilates, I found a great studio. I wish I would have gone earlier because I like started it towards the end of my stay um but yeah I went a couple times a week I really enjoyed the instructors it was all on um the reformers uh which is my favorite way to do Pilates because like you just get so much out of it um using that machine so yeah I uh I tried to keep up with my fitness because I wasn't really riding that much you know I was riding Barry all the time but like I'd ride an extra horse here and there but I didn't have like a consistent other ride so um, I tried to keep up with my fitness and I also went on a lot of walks you know like walk through town all the time I'd walk several miles a day just like exploring the town and then I had this really big hill uh, behind like if I went a different direction from my house and I'd walk up that a couple times a week that was my fitness training I was like Barry has to gallop up hills I gotta walk up these hills but it was like a serious hill yeah um so yeah that was the fitness of my trip yeah you know I'm, I'm like touching on all the pillars I see that without, yeah like without really I mean, but in my head now like I'm just thinking about someone British like teaching me yoga um so I know we've talked about like words before Mm -hmm. that are like okay 
like you say something about a bubbler, I think in Wisconsin. Yeah, we call a water fountain a, a bubbler. A bubbler. In was there any was there any moments where you were like, "Excuse me, what are you saying to me right now?" There like, were lots of those. Um, trying to think exactly. Um, some of them I had been familiar with because like I'd talked to some British people, but um, it was more their expressions and like. Yeah, there were definitely some words uh, I've added to my British vocabulary. So I like jumper for a sweater. Like they call sweaters jumpers. Okay, I like that. Um, Oh, I also learned that pants, you know, like I would call what I'm wearing now like pants. Yeah, she's in britches. Britches, yeah. yeah. And uh, they... Their form of pants is underwear. So (laughs) I'd be like, oh, my pants, they're like, (laughs) that was kind of funny. Um, And then I learned someone's pants. Yeah. Literally (laughs) Literally eat that. Um, Maybe that's where that comes from. But uh, yeah, I'm I'm blanking on others, but there were. You said there was a few. There's a lot of barn things. Yeah, like us, what we would call a stall, they call a box. a halter is a head collar. Uh, <laughs> clearly, I'm still tired. <laughs> it's okay. Um, but yeah, there's definitely some differences. And they call like a barn a yard. They don't, sometimes they'll call it a stable, but they don't refer to horse things as barns. So yeah. Yeah. One of my first bosses always called it the ranch. So I asked The ranch. Yeah, like, see you back at the ranch. Yeah. Like, it's not a ranch. We ride $50,000 event horses. Yeah. Like, we are not at a ranch, but... Yeah. That's funny. It is um, just interesting how, like, people use words differently, for sure. Yep. Um, You got a chance to ride with a lot of very Mm -hmm. established and distinguished riders yeah what what were your takeaways experiences thoughts comments concerns about all of that uh so I took several dressage lessons with Angela Tucker who's an FEI judge and she's judged me before like she judged me at the Maryland five star and stuff so um she's very knowledgeable she also coaches the Japanese team currently and um She's great. Like, I loved riding with her. I got a ton out of it. You know, she's uh, just kind of has a way with the horses. And uh, Barry really liked the way she had me ride him. And she just made some changes that I hadn't ever been told before. So it was nice because I feel like, well, dressage, as they would say, is like our weak, our weakest phase. But, um, and we've always tried to get better and I feel like my previous instruction has all been a little bit like I don't want to say heavy handed but a little bit kind of like like make him do it and you know and she just took like a little bit different approach like allow him and like you know don't try to be against him go with him and like soften and he actually responded to that well um unfortunately at Burley he was not showing off his uh (laughs) submission so much but I, I, you know I would argue that he did though like yeah you parts of it were watching that test that you two had had next level dressage training yeah and that you had sort of leveled up what do you think happened day of that so we went in and our trot work was like really good it scored really well and I was like this is going pretty 
pretty well. And so you do all your trot work first. And my mom, you know, she was watching afterwards. She told me, she was like, you were scoring at like high 20s, low, you know, like 30 or something. And uh, then we do our walk work that scored well. Then we halted and you go straight into your canter work. And I pick up my canter and like the transition was pretty good. I go down the long side. You have to do like medium canter three quarters of the way down and then do a half circle and then go across to short diagonal and a flying change. And the medium canter, as soon as I asked, he was like, yep, I'm going. And he just like threw his head up and like tried to run down the long side. And I was like, oh my God. And then it's burly, baby. Yeah. And, we gotta go. Yeah. And I think cause in the warm up. I was like, okay, like when I say go, you need to go. And so in the ring, he was like, yeah, okay, I'm going. And then we did our first change and it was very exuberant. And this is going to sound crazy, but the crowd went, and Barry like loves to get a reaction. So I think he's like, ooh, they liked it. And so then each change got a little bit more exuberant and each time the crowd got louder. And then on my third change, he literally almost jumped out of the arena. And I was like, if I freaking get eliminated in the dressage at Burley, I, I quit. Like, uh, that's it. We're throwing up the towel. Yeah. Um, so we had some really lovely moments. And definitely he's overall going way better. But And we still did get our personal best five-star score. So that'll tell you something. Because he was pretty naughty. So the fact that like the other movements made up for it is uh actually encouraging yeah so. no and was that was that the same dressage test that you did at Badminton? yeah yeah mm-hmm. so same one i mean personal best like you have it's almost something that you look back and kind of giggle about yeah now. i mean it's just funny because i was like what was he thinking theory. yeah um he just likes to get a reaction out of the crowds that's my thought <laughs> uh so yeah i rode with her um I didn't really school cross country with anyone because I like only did two schools the whole time I was over there. Okay. And the first one was like after badminton and it was just like an easy one back. Um, and so I just like popped around on my own. And then the second one, I went with Mike Winter who that's the farm that I was at. And Mike is awesome. Like he's a very established five-star rider rides, has ridden for the Canadian team a lot Um, And so we, our horses were kind of on the same schedule because his horse was either going to do Burley or Worlds if he got selected, which he did. But um, so like we were basically on the same training schedule. And so we went cross country schooling and we're just, you know, he was kind of like a good eye on the ground and we had a good time. Um, It was fun to see like different schooling venues and yeah. So you went schooling? Literally twice. Literally twice. Let me just go gallop around the biggest cross-country track in the world. I also competed twice. Okay. So he had four cross-country runs between... including badminton? No. Okay, so So he had badminton. He had a practice cross-country school. Then he ran intermediate. Intermediate. Then he had a harder cross-country school. Then he ran a four-star at Hartbury. Okay. And then he ran Burley. Okay. So... We went cross country four times. I mean, <laughs> well in England, Barry is the, the kind of horse now. Like it, he is just a five star horse. He really is. Yeah, like that's his thing, and I don't need to like run him around four stars. No, and like, like I guess, do you have any? I feel like he's 
on this cusp, like your dressage is starting to come together, right? With yeah. that sort of glow. And like he he's almost at this point of being like a very competitive horse as yeah. well. Like he's been in the top twenty. Like that's yeah. freaking amazing when you think about it. Yeah. Like he's he's really finished quite well at yeah. all these events. Are you like, all right, I've checked off four or five stars, like let's go kill these five stars or is there something in the back of your mind that's like, Ooh, I'd like to be on a team. Yeah. I mean, I'd love to be on a team, but it's like, I can't focus on that because there's just way too many factors. Yeah. But, um, you know, to be honest, like I just need to be more competitive to be on a team, like on the flat, yeah. the jumping is fine, you know, but, um, so hopefully, I mean, one day that'd be great. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, my plan is to do Kentucky next year and get the full experience since I didn't have spectators in 2021 mm-hmm. uh, and be competitive because I really feel like after running badminton and burley, like now, I, I mean, my first Kentucky was quite good. So I think now I'm like, man, I plan to finish on my dressage score, you know, and hopefully it's a decent score. Yeah. And uh, that's that's the plan. And then we'll see. If someone wants me on a team after, you know, that, that'd be great. Or a pub. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, it would be kind of fun to do all the five stars at some point. Except but apparently not Adelaide. Adelaide is like going to. I want to go to. Yeah. So. There's like a ton of restrictions and so like sad. quarantine stuff. But Lemuel and Poe could do those at some point. But at the same time, I'm like, I want to do badminton and burly again. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because they're, they're just a completely different level. So. Yeah. I guess I have to like hit up our Australian friends in the area and be like, do you have any Australians that are that, doing it yeah. that want me to come over and groom for right. them? As a doctor of sport and performance psychology, right. would they like a psychologist and, and a, a groom? groom? You have a lot to offer. Yeah. I'm like, you honestly, like if you just pay to get me over there like you don't yeah. even have to pay me for the week <laughs> just, pay, me just pay to fly me over there like it's so funny because like I feel like it's like most dream like dream groomings is like the badminton yeah. the burly and like you know if that was like my dying burning heart I would have just been like okay Emily like I'm coming over yeah. grooming for you like Isabel can be there too but like Tyler's gonna Tyler, be yeah. in the house like we gotta make this work but I'd love to do that I'd love yeah. to go to those events but like for me it's the Olympics and Adelaide. <laughs> I feel like we can make that happen somehow. <laughs> That's oh, so funny. Goodness, goodness. Yeah. Um, what about cross country? Talk to me about getting those points off because they really oh, gave you yeah. a stop, right? Um, so at the trout hatchery, which is the first water on that the horse. Can you say that three times again? Trout hatchery? Yeah. Trout hatchery? Trout hatchery? I just love that. I don't know why. What, like, a trout hatchery? Like, that sounds yeah. like a place I want to go. Like. Yeah. Um, so, it was, like, relatively early on on course. Um, I should know the exact number. I think it was 10. I'm pretty sure it was 10. Um, so, we jumped in well. There was, like, this trailer boat house thing um that we jumped in and then you landed on dry ground like and it was a couple strides into the water and it was all like shaded um so it was under trees and he jumped in great and then I was like cool we got this and 
you had to go, it was like five strides to this brush corner in the water and then a quick turn to this other drop into the next part of the water and then three strides out over a brush. That was my plan. That was the fast route. Like that had always been my plan. I had walked the options, but like, I was like, I'm not going to use the options. Um, I'm going to get this trout hatchery. Yeah. Make that trout hatchery (laughs) mine. So we jumped in, uh, great. He got to the water and like stumbled. I don't know. It's weird watching the replay. Like something happened and I basically like got thrown forward and there was no way I was making it to the corner. Like I my body, you can see in the replay. We'll have to maybe I can get a video of the video. Yeah, but yeah. um get a video of the video. <laughs> yeah. Just the video. Just get the video. <laughs> that too. <laughs> <laughs> So I'm like, my body's thrown forward. By the time I like lift it back up, I'm like too close to the corner, but I hadn't actually steered him towards the corner. So I pulled out right and I was like, I gotta go to the option, but I didn't say it in hindsight. Maybe I should have, but, um, so then I quick like turned right and then had to make this really awkward turn to get to the option. Cause if you're going to take the option originally, you wouldn't have gone the way that I did. Right. But because it was like such a last second decision, I had turned and like made it. And I'd only walk that line once and Barry was like so good. And so we did all that. And the, the last part, the like brush wedge that we had to jump, I gave him a super hard angle to it and he was like all right <laughs> like he was so good um but anyway so I got done with that and I you know in the back of my mind I'm like they might give me a 20 but like I didn't present you know so I'm kind of thinking about that but I'm like there's a lot to do I need to like yeah. focus Let's, like I gotta let that go yeah and so I just kept going and um he was like phenomenal the whole way around and there was some big scary stuff like seriously um and yeah oh the leaf pit was terrifying by the way that was before the trout hatchery like that was the jump where I was like I don't want to do it and uh like Barry again was fantastic but it's you're literally jumping off the side of the world and I definitely got whiplash when I did it because yeah like there are some prelim courses that (laughs) I walked recently that like I just shit my pants just like just walking around it's like oof I gotta chase my underwear but (laughs) I just like don't even know like yeah like especially like Barry's Barry's a little pocket rocket too like him compared to those jumps like I would love for you to be able to walk back on course and just take a picture of him like yeah next to it yeah He's unbelievable. Um, but yeah, so the leaf pit rode fine. I don't... Just whiplash. Yeah, just whiplash. Like, it was funny because that night I was laying in bed. I'm like, why is my neck so sore? Like, the front of... Like, all the muscles in my neck were super sore. And then someone sent me a slow-mo video of the leaf pit. And you can see my neck is like... Like my head just flings forward and then goes just a little brain rattler. <laughs> and I was like, that's why. Uh, so that the Cotsmore leap is as big as you would think it is. It's seriously uh, gigantic. And someone actually asked, like the post I made yesterday, I was like, oh, do you have any questions about Burley? And someone asked if the Cotsmore leap was as terrifying as it looks. And um, it rode well. 
it rode well, but I was like, I cannot miss to this. And, um, like Barry was perfect. He just flew over it. But, um, earlier in the day, a horse literally landed on top of it. I don't know if you saw it, but I was watching that cause I watched a couple rounds before I got on and I saw that and I was like, Oh, I didn't want to see that. Like <laughs> I did not want to see that like land straight on top of it. Um, the horse is fine. There were some like pretty gnarly falls, um, everyone but everyone was fine. So thank God um, for the sport and everything, and that everyone's okay. Um, but yeah, it was it was tough out there. And Just, like it's, I was flashback to like us sitting in the warm up of Kentucky, your first Kentucky, yeah. and I'm there with Jenny. She's like a couple after you, and it just seemed like every other rider was falling down. It's carnage. And we were just all looking at each other like, should we go? <laughs> yeah. Like, should we? Should we just right stop? Now? Is this smart? Yeah. What are we thinking? <laughs> I'm not even doing it. Yeah. I'm and like, you're like, maybe you should not. <laughs> Yeah, let's just not. Uh, yeah. So, and when I got off, like when I crossed the finish line and I, like met everyone in the vet box, I was like, that was literally the hardest thing I've ever done in my life. Like I was exhausted and I, you know, I feel like I'm pretty fit and I was like physically, mentally, I was just spent, but I was also on the biggest adrenaline high of my life. So, yeah. you know, that kind of countered it, but yeah. Um, Circle back follow-up question about the trout hatchery. Yeah. Do you feel like if you had stayed committed to option A, you would have taken a little swim? Or... I may have, yeah. 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 Um, and, like, so I'm really glad I didn't. Yeah. Because no. a couple people fell at that, that B, uh, the brush corner, like, if they didn't hit it right. So, yeah, I'm glad that I didn't. And I'm actually, like, very proud of myself for quick thinking, you know? And Yeah. Because I... Like it was just instinct because I there's no way it happened so fast like if I hadn't have like prepared mentally for things to happen there's no way I could have reacted that fast so I was just like I don't uh, toot my horn too often but I was pretty <laughs> proud of myself I was like dang that yeah, like, like good, I good I thought riding. I thought on my feet you know well, I mean I just feel like at this point like you do also have the advantage of like you and Barry are just like a team yeah like you know that horse like in and yeah. out yeah yeah it's pretty special yeah. so and it's it's funny I have a I have my journal open right here to uh, talking about the difference between um, offensive mental skills and defensive mental skills and I feel like so many people focus on that hey, let's, like, make sure we're confident and feeling successful and, like, planning for our competition, visualization, like, all of that, just, like, being able to show up. But I think what's mm-hmm. harder is being able to maintain your mindset when something like that happens. And that's a very hard skill to train to be, like, oh, plan A's not working, what's plan B? And, like, yeah. even as you're talking about sort of cantering away from that and thinking, like, oh gosh, I could have a 20. Like if you had ruminated on that, if you had kept that thought in your mind instead of sort of brushing it to the side, it's like you're taking your battery and your energy away from the rest of the course that you have to jump. That's going to be really, really difficult. And so being over able to let those things go um, 
you know, almost like in a show jumping course, like people like to look back to see if the rail yeah. knocked down. Um, I forget who said it. One of my friends, one of my clients are like, what are you doing looking back? Like, you're not going to pick it up with your eyes, right? Oh, like, yeah. There's <laughs> someone in Wisconsin, maybe. Yeah, I don't know. I like love that saying. Oh, Liz Lund, I think yeah, Liz. Yeah, Liz yeah, said okay. it on our, on our podcast yeah. with, with the uh, unstable and unbridled yeah. crew. So um, I loved that. Like, I'm like, that's just like, that says defensive mental skills right. to me, right? Like you, you're not gonna pick that up with your eyes. Like you have to. You gotta keep going. You gotta keep going, going because yeah, you know, you ruminate on a mistake, and all of a sudden it's become three mistakes, and and you're right. eliminated. Yeah. So. Um, and then as far as the twenty went, so they had given me a twenty originally, and then when I got off course, everyone's like, "You need to go protest that." And by the time I got to the stewards, they were like, "Oh, uh, it's already taken off." They like rewatch the video and they're like, it's already off. I was yeah. like, perfect. So I didn't have to like, you didn't have to like argue, argue at all, um, which was really nice. I had to, I argued for you on your behalf on um, they. So I was like watching the Eventing Nation. Thread. Oh, the, like that's yeah, the that's live feed. What I was watching. Yeah. And um, originally they had posted like Emily finishes her third five star, <laughs> and like I was just like I don't know I don't. I didn't want to be, like, identified. I, like, went incognito, so I called myself Amanda, and I, I, like, commented, and there was, like, a live commenting thread, and I was, like, this is actually her fourth five-star, and then they edited it. (laughs) Perfect. Thank you, Tyler. Looking out for me. I was, like, they forgot that she did Marilyn, but she did Marilyn really well, too, so, like, hi. Yeah. Don't. Let's not forget. Amanda here. (laughs) I don't know why. Like, in the moment, I was like, I simply I can't, can't be, be Tyler yeah. commenting in this eventing patient thread. Oh, that's hilarious. So weird. Um, show jumping? Any, any, any show jumping. thoughts, um, comments, concerns? Let's see. Well, I've gotten quite good at show jumping on the grass cause, and doing dressage on the grass because it's like that's all they do over there. Yeah. Um, and it's definitely a little bit different. And there was more terrain in the arena than I realized. You know, like you're... It's level-ish, but it's not perfectly level. And um, so it's just a different different ride than if you're in a perfectly manicured arena. Um the course I thought was quite nice like I thought that the course designer did a good job like nothing was tricky like all the striding was right there um but the course still proved to be difficult and uh we had a rail which was unfortunate because he was jumping like so well and like we shouldn't have had a rail but it was the it was the second yeah it was the second to last fence and I think so the third to last fence was a plank and I had the plank down at badminton. So I was like, I'm not having this plank down. So I like set up for that and it was the plank and it was a bending six or you could go more direct five to this uh, square oxer. And my plan was the six because I was like, the five is just, I'm going to have to be too flat coming in, blah, blah, blah. And I just didn't hold out enough in six. And so we got there a little close and just like touched the front rail. Um, so that was disappointing because I obviously wanted to jump clean and especially for Richard. Um, like that was kind of my hope going in, but I think Richard's still proud. That was my longtime show jump coach, Richard Pickin, who like passed away, unfortunately, this summer, which was really, really hard because he was an important part of like 
bringing out the best in me and Barry. Oh, I remember, like, some of the first, like, little mini pre's in Aiken yeah. that you were doing, and it was really Richard that kind of said, like, hey, you've got something in this yeah. course, and, like, watching you two, like, do those, it was like, all right, like, yeah, there's that belief, and, like, from there, I think everything sort of clicked together. Right. So, um... Yeah, I, uh, he was a great man and helped a lot of people and really, like, helped get Barry and I where I am, so, uh, yeah, it would have been great to jump double clear for him, but I think having one is not so bad, so, um, but yeah, it was, it was cool, and, um, you know, finished in the top 20, uh, also, just shout out to Cornelia Dorr, who is from the U.S., and she got 10th at her first five-star at Burley, no less. Um, that was amazing. Like Literally, her, how many people were like, why would you do your first five-star yeah. at Burley? And she was like, this is why. Yeah, like, exactly. I mean, her <laughs> horse is like a freak, and it's so fast. Yeah. Like, it's, you know, she climbed up the leaderboard from cross-country because, she, like, it was hard to make time, like, to even get close to it, and her horse is just, like, fast and quick and a good jumper um so that was cool to see that and you know be with the other American riders um I got to hang out with Megan O'Donoghue quite a bit because she was over there like from Aachen onward and um yeah so it was fun and uh lots of good stuff for USA second place at Wed. I know. Could have been first with Ariel. But I know. That's okay. That's a different story. <laughs> that's a different story. Yes. Yeah. I, you know, I went to Lima One with Ariel, so I yeah, she's, she's great. Special place in my heart. Her, her and Meredith, and like, yeah. just like to look at the scores and like for her to be the only U.S. rider to finish on her dressage score and yeah. the only rider to like yeah. go double clear and like make time like yeah. on cross country. I was like. Why was she the individual? Yeah, like, why wasn't she on the team? Uh, love Ariel, but I'm so glad that she was on, like, representing the U.S., so good stuff. Awesome. Well, were there any other questions that you saw on Instagram from listeners oh, or um, anything let's, like let's that? Let's have should a quick... We, should we double check? Check on that, but... um. Oh, in the meantime, on another note, I did get a young horse while I was over you there. You did? And he, um, so that's exciting because that was kind of one of my goals for my year of the twos is to now have a second horse. Um, so he is an exciting four-year-old registered KWPN, but he's, um, got a lot of Holsteiner in him, which is great because I'm partial to Holsteiners. (laughs) Um, since that's what Barry is, and yeah, he hasn't really done a whole lot. Um, when I went to try him in Holland, he had only jumped three times, like when I was riding him was his third time jumping, and uh, he was pretty fantastic. Um, you know, very adjustable, uh, could canter down to things like wait, go, and I'm like, you've only jumped three times. Um, so, and he's fancy, and I hope that he'll be um, a horse for me, but if not, like, if he doesn't want to be a five-star horse, he'll be a s- very saleable. There's a lot to like about him, so. Awesome, awesome. Yeah, um, I'm not seeing, yeah, I, I think, didn't see anything. I think we got, um, you know, the questions we covered, yeah. that we um, got, we kind of covered a lot. Um, 
not to put you on the spot, but you've been on the spot this whole time. Yeah. So it shouldn't be. From that experience, like, if you could boil it down into, like, one training tip, just based on, like, a mindset, mentality, mm-hmm. English riding, like, one thing that you took away from the equestrian culture over there, what would okay. your training tip be from that? I would say trust your instincts and... Um, If you've been riding for a while, um, you probably know more than you think you do. And what I've noticed in England was there's not a lot of coaching going on. Like, people don't get their hand held like they do in the U.S. You know, people just go out there and kind of do their thing, and that is why they are better than us, (laughs) like, quite frankly. You know, from a young age, they're just going and... uh, riding and you know you see it from the beginning with the Shetland pony races you know these little kids like running around galloping over little steeplechase fences um I taught some young riders while I was there and I was shocked at how good they were at being so young you know and um there's just you know they're fearless and I think because the culture kind of says you can do this like it's you know obviously there is training and people do get lessons but it's just not as much um, as like here where it's a lot of hand-holding all the way up. You know, at, at some point you have to say, I know enough. I'm still going to get outside opinion here and there, but at the end of the day, I know myself. I know my horse. We know how to do this. Um, yeah, at Burley, like I ended up, I didn't walk the course with anyone. Like I talked to some people, but I didn't end up walking the course with anyone. And um, just because like it, it didn't work out timing wise. And you know, uh, Sharon White actually was there coaching Woods, and she was like, "Emily, just ride the horse like you always ride the horse. Like you guys are a great team. You know what you're doing." And I was like, "That's fantastic advice." She's like, "Don't you know what to do? Like just don't overthink it." And uh, yeah, I guess I would just encourage people in a safe way to trust their instincts. You know, mm-hmm. um, I say that with cautious caution, but at some point you have to believe in yourself enough that like, you know what you're doing. Yeah, no. And I actually, I think that's great advice. One of the things like that I think about looking back at my own experience in the equestrian industry is like from a very young age, I was set up to not have a lot of unstructured rides on my own. Right. Mm-hmm. I, uh, for a while I was just taking lessons so I took three lessons a week and you know once I got my horse it was a young horse so if I wasn't in a lesson I was in a training like my horse was getting training rides and like and then I went to college and five days a week I was riding with an instructor there and then I was lucky enough to go into sort of smaller working student programs that it was like you're going to get a lesson every day pretty much. Like if you, you know, you're going to take hacks and stuff like that. But when I was riding, I was riding in lessons. Um, and it really inhibited, I think my ability to think for myself. Yeah. I think there's a lot to be said to take a lesson and then like, let that sit for a little bit, work with it, like play around with it on your own and try to figure things out, you know? And this is coming from someone who makes a lot of her money on lessons. So (laughs) (laughs) true. There's no, you're like, wait a minute. Still still take lessons. lessons. You know, don't rely on it all the time. So good stuff. Yeah. What about you? Do you have a grooming tip for putting you on the spot? I know I didn't super think about it and I don't know why, but like the one thing that's coming into my head is like the, um, usefulness of having like a 
container full of four by fours that are drenched in alcohol, like oh, available in your barn because that's a good idea. They're really good for a lot of things, right? Like if you have to like clean out a cut, like you want to see like, you know, there's mud on it or something and you want to get to the bottom of it. You don't necessarily want to take the horse to the wash stall, like just having like alcohol wipes on hand. The other thing that that is really good for is like face fungus. Mm-hmm. A lot of horses don't love their face getting sprayed or sponged. Um, and especially the back of the ears yeah. get like that little like crusty fungus yeah. at the top. Um, if you wipe that down with alcohol, you wipe the little like crevices of their yeah. face that gets really gunky with like alcohol wipes. Um, it just helps their skin look healthier and happier and gets that sort of fungus off. Um, you know, we, we usually have some betadine and alcohol in case like there's a deeper cut. So right. you do betadine four by four alcohol by four by four but then you're not having to get the bottle out like yeah. spill alcohol everywhere it's like it's just go. it's right there it's ready to go it's sterile like it's awesome i love that it's a great tip so uh what's next well we're going to be in well, you're going to be in wisconsin by yourself right I and am. then we're going back to wisconsin for a whole equestrian clinic in november yes i will be in wisconsin october 22nd and 23rd at wildwind farm uh, which is Tammy Rousseau's barn. So if you're listening and from Wisconsin, I would love to see you there. Um, hopefully with a horse. If not, uh, you know, we can come audit, just say hi, but I would love to help you out. And uh, yeah, and then we're going to be in Wisconsin. November 19th, 20th. Yeah. Um, and I think like, unfortunately, Fortunately and unfortunately, I think that's a closed clinic right now. I think we've pretty much filled, filled it up it. Yeah. with the, the Winter Haven peeps. Um, but if you happen to be listening and you are at Winter Haven and you haven't signed up yet, I think we've got some space for unmounted still. Yeah. Um, we're going to do our normal whole equestrian style clinic. We're going to do some unmounted seminars, some yoga. We're going to do, um, Emily's going to teach some clinics. I'll do some one-on-one sports psychology. Um, and that should be a great weekend. I've heard a lot of really good things about, um, the people at that barn. Yeah. I'm really looking forward to it. And I can't remember the last time I was in Wisconsin twice in that short of amount of time <laughs> okay also when was the last time you were in wisconsin in november because like yeah Emily, i hope it's not gonna be cold nervous about it's that. probably gonna be it's I'm gonna, gonna have be to fine. bring my big jacket that i got it's in gonna Germany be all right that's like a sleeping bag like <laughs> i oh, think it's goodness. gonna be okay so so uh great well we hope that uh you enjoyed this episode maybe learned a thing or two uh thanks for listening basically yeah i mean honestly i i i am someone that toots my own horn so i know you said like you're not someone that toots your own horn but like i've got a little bit of an ego on me and i think this was a really good episode like already i'm like we could just like release this right now like i'm just i hope that you enjoy it and we're not completely biased to our our abilities you can mess um, it, like, to entertain you we have so. yet to get whole equestrian hate mail so like <laughs> so i think we're doing okay but like i mean i would be interested like i'd be interested to hear what some negative comments <laughs> but no if you have positive feedback even better we'd love to 
hear from you. Um, our whole equestrian community page has gotten some um, interesting posts to check out recently. Yeah. So um, some good stuff shared on that. Find us on Facebook, Instagram, like our contact, engage with us, send us a message, tell us a story of you and your horse, um, ask any questions or, you know, give suggestions of topics that you'd like to hear on the show. We'll be back to our normal sort of format next month. I think it might be around this time because we'll be at the, oh, the Maryland, Maryland Five Star. Star. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. We'll, pro- we'll probably record after after Maryland and yep. sort of incorporate some of that excitingness in. Yeah, definitely. Because I know you're going to be doing some book signings. Yep. And I'm dusting off my groom Crocs to go. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> to go back in for It's going to be a good day. time. Um, so. Great. And, and make sure you get Barry's book, too. Thank you for that plug, Tyler. <laughs> yes. Uh, it will. Well, it's available to purchase on my website. Uh, emilyhamileventing.com and also if you'll be at the Maryland Five Star I'm doing a few book signings there I will make sure to post about that uh, but I would love to see you and we still have to figure out how to get Barry to autograph the books that's true you could, but I will definitely autograph the does book does he still have his shoes on that he wore at Burley or did he get shot he still has there? the shoes from Burley but I do have his badminton shoes okay I could maybe do like an ink pad number yeah I'm thinking maybe that's oh, the thing because oh yeah, okay. Could okay use the shoes that actually galloped around badminton and Burley perfect I like where this is going so um maybe you can get that stuff in your book <laughs> yeah <laughs> Um, okay, cool. Well, thanks so much for listening. We're here bridging the gap between riding and wellness. And in the meantime, enjoy the ride.